this morning, I want to talk to you briefly from the subject, roles, R-O-L-E-S, roles matter. Roles matter. We're going to pray one more time, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. Holy Spirit, we recognize you as our guest of honor this morning. Uh, we say that you, uh, that we want you to do whatever you can, what only you can do in our lives. That we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. And so we thank you. We love you. We bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone, say it. Amen. 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 So, uh, uh, marriage, marriage isn't easy, everybody. Marriage isn't easy. I've been married 15 years, and what I have discovered is that in marriage, there are unspoken rules in marriage. Unspoken rules in marriage. And what I've discovered is uh, there's this one rule, unspoken rule in particular, that I've discovered and I've recently implemented for the benefit of my marriage. And so what it is, is the unspoken rule of identifying roles. Identifying roles. Here's what I mean. My wife, when she gets home from work, um, I try to be that very open, compassionate husband. The empathetic husband, right? And then so she comes home and I'm like, baby, how was work today? And so sometimes she would say it was really good. Other times she'd be like, you would not believe my boss. You would not believe my coworkers. You would not, and then she would just go on and tell me of, of like what someone said, what someone did. And uh, so I would listen to her. And when she was done talking, I would, uh, I, would, I would be her counselor. And I would give her advice. And I would say, well, here's the issue, babe. Here's what you need to tell so-and-so. Here's how you need to handle this situation. And uh, it's never failed that every time that I did that, she would seem irritated and annoyed. And I'm confused because I'm like, I'm giving you advice on how to handle this situation. So finally, after a while, after I noticed that, that, that my wife was not uh, receiving this free godly counsel. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I'm insulted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after, after, she's after she received it and she was like, I, I, she, I was like, babe, why do you get so irritated when I'm giving you advice? And uh, what she told me was this. She's like, babe, sometimes, sometimes I need advice. But sometimes I just need someone to listen. All the women are like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> and what she was telling me is that there are some times when I need the role of an advice giver. But then there are other times when the role that I need from you, babe, is just to sit there, shut your mouth, and listen to what I'm saying. And so I quickly learned that, that when she comes home and I'm like, baby, how was your day at work? I, she tells me, she finishes up and I go like this. I'm like, all right, babe, what role am I playing today? And she would say, you're, you're, I need advice. 
or I just need you to listen. And here's why I'm telling you this is because I've realized that, that undefined roles can cause serious issues. Undefined roles can cause serious issues, and here's why. Because undefined roles can lead to unrealistic expectations. And unrealistic expectations could lead to disappointment. And if I'm disappointed enough times, then eventually whatever relationship I'm in just seems to not even be worth it anymore. And so I have discovered that, that in any relationship, this cycle, if I'm not careful, it will, it will continue until I get to the point where I'm so disappointed that I just want to stop whatever relationship I'm in. And so this, this, this idea goes with a relationship between your spouse Relationship between your, who you're dating, parental relationships, uh, work relationships. Like defined roles are important. Now, I don't think that this is just vital for, for relationships that we have here on earth. But in fact, I think this principle also applies to the relationship between us and God the Father. Remember... We read in Philippians chapter 4 that if you made Jesus the Lord, the boss of your life, you are now a son or daughter of God. And he is now your heavenly father. But if I don't understand the heavenly father's role in my life, then pretty soon I'll set unrealistic expectations. And then all of a sudden, those unrealistic expectations will, will uh, I'll become discouraged and disappointed when it doesn't happen the way that I thought it should. And then eventually, and I've seen this way too much, is people like eventually when they become so disappointed in God the Father, they eventually just say, you know what, God, that relationship is not even worth it anymore. And they walk away. And so this morning, my heart is that as I share with you these uh, these roles of God the Father that, that you, would, you would jot them down and they would help you under, understand some of the roles of who God the Father is. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. So there are probably <laughs> roles that I'm, I'm not saying, but, but you could probably like look through Scripture and find. But I'm going to give you four simple roles of God the Father and then we're going to be done. And uh, Mary's Pizza actually sounds really good right now. So... <laughs> So the roles, focus, John, roles, four roles of God the Father, four roles of God the Father. Here's the, the first role, R-O-L-E, because I know my role sounds like role or role. <laughs> You're like, what are you saying? Uh, role number one is this. He's my protector. God the Father is my protector. God the Father is my protector protector. But please know that protection does not always mean problem free. So he's my protector, but just because he's my protector does not mean I will go through life without problems. Amen, somebody. So, so this idea of, of God the Father, he is my protector. Now we read in the book of Exodus, what we're going to do actually, let me back up a little bit. As we go through these four roles, we're going to look at the journey of Israel, God's children, and, and we're going to pull out 
uh, how God responds to, to Israel, that's going to be our, our the, the, the text and how we, we are pulling these roles. So uh, what we read in Exodus, that uh, Moses, God just used Moses to free Israel from Egypt. And so uh, Israel, they're now free. They've been enslaved uh, under the, the tyranny of, of Egypt, the Egyptian uh, empire. And they're now free and they're just, they're loving it. They're enjoying freedom. Uh, in fact, it says in the text that they started journeying and they got to this, this Red Sea and they camped right at this Red Sea, like right at the, at the mouth of the Red Sea. And I imagine that, that they got there and they're so happy, man. They're just having like a little beach party. You know what I'm saying? Like they're barbecuing some carne asada. They're just having a blast. They got their beach balls. You know, like they're just, they're, they're enjoying life because they were just enslaved for, for a long, long, long time. And so here they are. They're on the beach. They're having fun. And I think if we can pause real quick, uh, for a lot of us, when we think about being a child of God, this is the picture that we're thinking of. Yeah. Ooh, we're free. We're playing volleyball. We're having fun. We're hanging out. The sun is on us. We're, we're just enjoying life. But remember, just because he's our protector doesn't mean that I go through life problem free. And so here's Israel, they're, they're on the beach, they're doing their thing, having a party, bonfire, the whole nine yards. And what we discover is that all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a change of heart. Pharaoh's sitting at his throne and is like, wait a second. I just let a whole bunch of my people who are working for me for free go. Not a smart decision. So he decides to chase after Israel. So Israel, they're on the beach, they're having fun, and all of a sudden they hear, oh, that's like horses, okay? Use your imagination. <laughs> that was horrible. So, so, so he, they, they hear the chariot coming, and then the, and the Egyptian army coming, and all of a sudden they begin to freak out. All of a sudden they're like, what is happening? And I want to read this to you. Uh, Exodus chapter 14. It says this, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What we just read, friends, are, is an unexpected or excuse me, undefined role of who God was. They said, he, he, he went, they went, they were like, God, like, why, or Moses, why did you free us from Egypt? This is not what we signed up for. Like, the, these people, like, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt. Why did you bring us here? And they're, and they're, they're in a fluster because the, the enemy is coming after them. And I began thinking about this, this idea that just because he's my protector doesn't mean that my life is problem free. But just because I have to deal with the problems doesn't mean that God still doesn't have my back. See, because what we read in Exodus chapter uh, 18, 
Uh, excuse me, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 35. It says, so, so Moses is like, God, Moses, God, what do I do? God's like, hey, we're going to split the sea. Moses is like, okay, you know? So the, the Red Sea splits. Israel, they walk through it, okay? They walk through it. They get to the other side. The Egyptians are coming. They're crossing the Red Sea because they're desperate to get Israel back. And what we read in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 20 is that all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the chariots, their wheels started to buckle. And in verse 25 of chapter 14 of the book of Exodus, it says that the Egyptian army began to say, we have to turn back because surely the Lord is fighting on their behalf. They were going through a problem, but they, under, but, but they, they saw that God's hand was still over their life. Friends, no matter what problem you're going through, please know that God is fighting on your behalf. That his role as protector, even though you're going through problems, please know that he's fighting on your behalf. He's there for you. He's working behind the scenes in areas that you may not even see. Areas that you might even not even realize, but he's there. He's fighting on your behalf. And so role number one, God the Father, he's my protector. Role number two, God the Father, he's my provider. He's my provider. So fast forward to Exodus chapter 16. Um, Israel, they start getting super hungry. They're, they're, they're like, they're, they're, they're just, they're very hungry. And uh, they start complaining again to Moses, you know, like Moses, you have the worst job ever. And uh, so, so they're complaining and they're like, Moses, we're so hungry. What are we going to do? And so Moses, he goes to God. He's like, God, these people are hungry. What do, what do I do? And God tells Moses, he says, I'm going to send quail at nighttime. All you can eat quail, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like, what is quail? <laughs> all you can eat quail. And then God said, in the morning time, I'm going to give you all you can eat bread. Chicken Biscuits. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> and so Moses, he's like, okay, fine. So he goes to the people. He's like, hey, don't worry about the hunger. At nighttime, God's going to give you all you can eat quail. And then in the morning time, he's going to give you all you can eat bread. And if I'm Israel, I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Chicken sandwiches for days. And so what we, and then, so, so, so we're going to read it. Exodus chapter 16. It says this, that evening quail came and covered the camp. Remember, they expected this. So like, yes, this plan is working. And then in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. So remember, okay, Israel, they're like, we're hungry. God provide. We, we need food. So God's like, okay. So he sends them quail. I'm going to give you quail at nighttime. Woo, they got their quail. They're excited. They're expecting for bread in the morning. So God, you already provided quail. Now you're going to provide bread. Oh, I can't wait. I hope it's warm and soft. Come on. Bread don't, yeah, yeah. Bread makes you spread, but we don't care, right? Like, I don't even care. 
And so, so, so uh, they wake up in the morning. They're expecting. God already gave them quail. He's expecting for, the, or they're expecting him to give them bread. They look out. And to their surprise, they don't see bread. They see like these little flakes on the ground. And they're like, what, what is this? This is, this is not bread. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I was expecting. This is, like, what is it? In fact, manna is called, or excuse me, what is it is manna. Like, that's what manna means. What is it? So they're like, what is it? This is not what I wanted. And here's what I'm trying to get at as we understand that the role number two is God is my provider. God the Father is my provider. Is that though he's my provider, he may not always give me what I want, but he will always give me what I need. So they wanted that bread. They're like, how am I supposed to make biscuits and quail with flakes? <laughs> this is not working out. But please know that though it wasn't the bread that they were expecting, it was still food to sustain their bellies. Yeah. It wasn't what they wanted, but it's what they needed. Sometimes God doesn't give me what I want, but he will give me what I need. In fact, in the book of Philippians chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Philippi. And, and he's, he's, uh, he's, he lets them know, he's like, hey guys, listen, I know what it means to have a lot. And then he says, I know what it means to have nothing. So I understand both having everything and having nothing. And then he gets to this verse. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, he says this, But my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? He said, uh, some translation says, And your God will supply all of your needs. That's important. Because sometimes when I've read that, I read it, And the Lord will supply all of my wants. Is that just me? The Lord will supply all of my dreams. No, it says, Paul says, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the deal. I, as far as I know, Jesus wasn't rich. So, Paul, what in the world are you talking about? Jesus wasn't. Like, Jesus went from, to, from home to home, town to town. Jesus, he wasn't rich in material things, but he was rich in spiritual things. Yeah. He was rich in supernatural things. He, he was rich in, in a different type of, of thing. So where we look at the physical riches, God was, uh, excuse me, Jesus was rich in spiritual things. And when I'm rich in spiritual things, it helps me to see physical things in a different light, in a different manner. Because I may not have what I want, but his spiritual richness is helping me to see what I do have and to appreciate what I do have, even though it may not be what I want. But God, I thank you for what you have given me 
right now. And so we're talking about the roles of the father. Role number one, he's my protector. Role number two, he's my provider. Role number three, God the father, he is my corrector. To which everyone's like, (laughs) see, like, because we can get down with provider. We can get down with protector. But when we think about the corrector, we're like, I don't know about that. I'm not, you know, why? Because for most of us, nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants to be disciplined. But check this out. In, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, the author says this. My son, my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. So he's letting us know, hey, what I'm about to tell you, it's good. But just, just know, like, don't, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't despise when he corrects you, Okay. And because he knows our natural inclination as human beings is to be like, to pull away. He said, don't despise it. And here's why. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. So the author is saying, uh, hey, don't, don't despise the correction that God the Father gives. Well, of course I am. Why wouldn't I? And, and the author says, because God only corrects those he loves. So his correction in my life is a sign that he loves me, which is crazy to think. Now, before we go any further, I do want to say that you getting that diagnosis is not God correcting you. Amen. You losing that person that you love is not God correcting you. Is not his discipline towards you. So please, let's get rid of that mindset, that mentality. But here's what I do think discipline is. Is God disciplines us when he allows us to do what we want. And allows us to reap the fruit of the seeds that we sow. It got quiet. See, first, the first worship experience, they're like, amen. Let me, let me repeat that again. That discipline, discipline is God allowing me to do what I want, but allowing me also to deal with whatever consequences my actions brought upon me. That's his discipline. But his discipline doesn't stop with me just just having consequences. But it also continues with him Allowing those consequences to, to have me to learn my lesson yeah. and to get better and to grow in it. And so his, dis, his correction is love because it allows me to grow in whatever situation I brought myself into. And so his role is, is not just provider, is not just protector, is not just, is not just corrector. But here's number four, and the band's going to come up. And we're going to be done. It's role number four of God the Father. Is he's my encourager. He's my encourager. And so in, the, in uh, 1 Samuel, there's a story of David. And uh, David and his men, they just, they're getting back from, from battle. And they get into town. They get back to their village of Ziglag. And uh, they look around, and they're astonished because 
their village is now burnt to the ground. Their enemy, the Amalekites, they came in, they ransacked the village, they stole the wives, the kids, they kidnapped them, took them away, they took their livestock, and so David and his men, they get to their town, and there was nothing there. Have you ever been in a season where it feels like everything was pulled from you? Have you ever been in a season where it feels like things are good? So they just got back from battle. They're a little victorious. It's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, without a, without a notice, things shift. And now life all of a sudden just is like, what is going on? My family's a mess. Marriage is a mess. My, my job is not functioning in the way that I thought it was going to. And, and just all of a sudden, it's like, what is, what is happening? See, if you can relate to that, that's what David and his men are going through. And then we read in 1 Samuel, Further, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for they were all, for all of them were embittered, each man for his son and daughter. So, so not only did they come back and everything that they had was gone, but what we just read said that uh, now all of a sudden David's friends were talking about turning on him. So maybe you've never lost a possession. Maybe you've never lost, like, maybe you've never had a bad day where your job was, uh, where, where they told you you didn't have a job anymore. Or, or maybe you, you haven't, like, had, had this issue over here. But maybe you can relate to having someone backstab you. Maybe you can relate to having a group of people that who you thought had your back, they're like, they're now talking about, like, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna kill you. You're, you're done. And so, here, here they are. David, village done, destroyed, ransacked. His own people are now trying to attack him. Here's what the scripture says. But David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. He just lost his family. He just lost his, his, his town. He just lost his friend, his community. But it says that despite all of that, David found encouragement in the Lord. Friends, I don't know what you're dealing with this morning, but I do want you to understand that God the Father, He's not just your protector, He's not just your provider, He's not just your corrector, but He's also your encourager. That He wants to encourage you with whatever you're dealing with this morning, whatever situation, whatever hardship you might be facing, that He is with you. And though you might feel like you're down, defeated, and beaten, that your God, your Heavenly Father, is like, hey, son, hey, daughter, get up, 
You can do it. Keep moving because he loves you. He's fighting for you. He's encouraging you. He's in your corner. He believes in you. And the best part of the story is that it says that David found encouragement in the Lord. And that God told David, he's like, David, I'm going to restore everything that was stolen from you. Everything that the enemy took from you, I'm bringing it back. And so this morning, I need you to understand he's encouraging you. But whatever the enemy tried to take from you, whether it's hope, whether it's joy, that in faith that God is restoring what the enemy took away from you. He's encouraging you this morning. He wants you to know he's there for you this morning. Amen, somebody?